discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you glory, we give you praise. Thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for grace. Thank you for understanding for all of us. To your glory, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, isn't it not beautiful? Yeah. So on Sunday, I shared concerning predestination, um, preordination, uh, what else? Election, and then I spoke about righteousness. That was the last thing I spoke about, righteousness. And I mentioned that righteousness was what? God's judicial rightness. God's inability to look on sin without punishing it is the foundation of God's stone. It says justice and righteousness are the foundation of a stone. You know, he says, I read something in Exodus for you, if you remember. He says, he, might, he will by no means clear the, the guilty. He will by no means, under no circumstance, will he clear the guilty. No. God is French. Him. He demands, he demands right, rightness. Yes. Yeah, that's how God is. And that's, that needed to be paid for. Whatever sin Adam had committed needed to be paid for. Else God will also not be able to uh, uh, stand right when it comes to Satan and his courts because they also did something wrong and he punished them. So he had to punish Adam. So when Christ was hanging on the cross, Christ, the cross is a show of God's rightness. It's a show of God's rightness. It's a show of God's judicial rightness. That is the righteousness of God. I hope you understand. Yeah, God had to punish man. And Jesus came to come and receive that punishment for us. So I mentioned that when you say, whenever you say, Christ is my righteousness, what you are saying is that my righteousness is not dependent on my conduct because your conduct may fail. In your own experience, you realize that your conduct fails sometimes. But because of a person who never fails, that person is called Jesus. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says that, For of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom, then he says righteousness. You see, he's made unto us righteousness. So Christ is my righteousness. Say Christ is my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. Yes, Christ is my righteousness. What it means is that um, when it comes to me, there's someone who, there's a person who, who is my, right, my righteousness. My right standing before God is a person. And it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on that person. Because of his sacrifice, I have a right standing with God. Okay? Then, if you also say that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, as you, as you have in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 
He was made sin who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. What it means is that uh, we are a show of a display, an expose of God's rightness, God's, God's judicial rightness. We are a proof that he did something right. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So if someone asks God, what, what, is, what is your righteousness? He will point to you and I. Because we are a show of his rightness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now when we say that Christ is my righteousness and that is not dependent on our conduct, it doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do and fool around. I mean, if someone has suffered like this and has paid for your freedom and has sacrificed himself for your freedom, I think you should, your heart should be full of gratitude rather than uh, I can do whatever I want to do. It means you don't have, your wisdom is very small. So they are, they are, you have Chocomilo brain, Raiko type of brain. Uh-huh. You see, there are, two, there are two sides. One is the judicial demands of God, which Christ has fulfilled. Okay, so Christ is our righteousness along that line. There's the other side of us embracing the one who did that for us. So he demands a certain kind of relationship, a certain kind of fellowship with us. Do you get it? If someone uh, um, brought you out of prison and paid every single thing that you owed because you owed something, that's why you went to prison. If the person did all that for you, for you to be taken out, and the person... Uh, wants you to just live with him and fellowship with him, be a, be a friend to the person, would you not, is it not normal for you to do it? You'll be glad. You'll even be happy that, uh-huh. so that is, that is what righteousness is supposed to produce. Not, uh, yes, I, it has been paid for, so now I can do whatever I want to do. I can fool around some more. No. Yes, he overpaid. Christ's blood overpaid for the demands of justice. That's the truth. But, but that does not mean that you should just start fooling around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is people who do not understand how much they've been forgiven who mess up. If you understand how much you've been forgiven, you will not mess up. The Bible says that the one who's forgiven much loves much. The one who's forgiven little loves little. If you don't know, if you don't understand, you will love little. There wouldn't be any love. Your love for the Lord will not be there. You'll be using this knowledge to, to, uh, to mess up rather than using this knowledge to appreciate God and thank God. And also be able to stand. You see, this is what gives you an ability to stand before the devil and tell him to get out or, you know, go under your feet and all those. That is, that is, that is it. Because he cannot declare you guilty. You understand? It's the same righteousness. The same righteousness with which you stand before God without any sense of guilt, superiority complex or inferiority complex and all that. It's the same righteousness with which you stand before the devil and put him where he belongs. I hope you understand. So that's righteousness. So today, we want to go a step further. The next vocabulary of salvation we want to talk about is propitiation. Propitiation. Have you heard it before? Propitiation. Propitiation. It's spelled P-R-O-P-I-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Propitiation. P-R-O-P-I-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Propitiation. Okay? And it means to appease. To appease. The first one was origination. The second one was righteousness. The third one was redemption. So this is number four. Yes. But in origination, we had so many words. We had about five words or so that we treated. Five. Uh-huh. All right. 
So propitiation. What does it mean? It means to appease. Appease. Okay? Appease is spelled A-P-P-E-A-S-E. Appease, right? Or placate. Placate. P-L-A-C-A-T-E. To appease or placate an offended God. <laughs> it means to appease or placate an offended God. It also means satisfaction. To satisfy God. God needed to be satisfied because he was angry. God was offended. And he needed, his anger needed to be quenched. Man had offended God and that offense needed to be placated for. We needed to appease God. Was God angry? Emphatically, yes. God was very, very angry with humanity because of the... You see, what Adam did is called high treason. High treason is unforgivable. High treason is betraying a country. Okay? Selling the security information of a country to its enemies. If uh, the Minister of Defense of this country decides that he's going to let the Nigerian or the Togolese uh, president know exactly all the things concerning Ghana, how our defenses are, how he can overcome Ghana, everything. And he, he sells it out to them. That act is called high treason. And the only punishment for high treason is death. Check in every book by, in, of every government the, <laughs> the result or the payment for high treason is death. You can't do anything about it. Hallelujah. So God was angry. And God needed to be satisfied. He needed to be appeased. Okay? And there are so many words for propitiation in the Bible as well. So we'll go through it. But the first thing I want you to know is that um, propitiation is different from expiation. Okay? There are two words that are used in the Bible. There's one expiation. Expiation is more of an Old Testament word. Okay, and uh, it means to make temporal atonement, okay, through presentation of blood by the high priest in the presence of the mercy seat or before God, okay? They made expiation for the people. Once every year, the high priest walk into the Holy of Holies with a rope tied to his waist because if that high priest was full of sin, when he gets there, he would die. And when he dies, nobody can enter to go and bring him out because there's only one person who can enter. That person is the high priest. And the high priest, too, when he goes and he's, he's dead, nobody can go there. Yet, if the dead body too is there, God will kill everybody. So, in order to mitigate that particular, particular problem, they had to tie the high priest with, with, the, with the rope so that when he goes to go and make the sacrifice for them, he will put the blood on uh, the mercy seats. There were three things that were involved in expiation or propitiation in the New Testament. The first thing was a sacrifice. You needed the sacrifice. The second thing was that you needed a priest. The third thing was that you needed a priest who would walk to the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the, the, the mercy seat, which was the covering of the Ark of Covenant. The Ark of Covenant had a covering, and that covering was called the mercy seat. Or the mercy seat was two cherubims, two angels, one on the left, one on the right, with their wings spread. Okay? In the mercy seat, uh, you that was where God would come and sit. On a normal day. So when you go, you put the, the high priest will put the blood on the mercy seat once and put it before the mercy seat seven times. 
<laughs> because God doesn't need much to remember and forgive you. But you need a lot because of your foolishness. <laughs> you need a lot of sprinkling. So they used to sprinkle it seven times before the Ark of Covenant for themselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. But that expiration was done. It was, God didn't forgive. It was covered. Okay? It was covered. Expiation is E-X-P-I-A-T-I-O-N. Expiation. E-X for xylophone. X for xylophone. P-I-A-T-I-O-N. Expiation. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So expiation was temporal. I hope you get it. Temporal. Expiation means to uh, sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Yes. To sprinkle blood on the mercy seat for the purpose of covering the sins of man, of Israel, for one year. I hope you get it. For just a year. So it's called atonement. Okay? They atone, the atonement of sin for a year. Please you understand. Uh-huh. But propitiation is permanent. It's the same thing, but this time around, the only difference is that it's permanent. Okay? Uh-huh. Expiation is covering for one year. So the anger of God is still there, just that he has forgotten about it for a year. He's just marking time. Because of the blood of cows and goats. Uh-huh. But with propitiation, the sacrifice that was made was so much that God was satisfied. So he, he, he's not offended anymore because of Christ's blood. Okay? In both cases, the, you needed the blood of an innocent something. For expiation, it was innocent, the innocent lambs that were used. But for propitiation, it was the innocent Christ that was used. I hope you get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So God cannot be angry with you anymore because of the propitiation that Christ has made for you and I. Look at Isaiah chapter 54 verse 9. Let's look at Isaiah 54 9. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. This is God talking. For as I have sworn, you see God doesn't swear much. When he swears, he's very serious about it. He says, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you anymore. I will not be angry with you or rebuke you anymore. Why? Because Isaiah chapter 54 comes after Isaiah chapter 53. And what happened in Isaiah chapter 53? Look at Isaiah chapter 53 from verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form. He's talking about Christ, okay? If you know Isaiah chapter 53, you should know that he's talking about Christ. In the Jewish uh, uh, Torah, Isaiah chapter 53 has been deleted. They don't know about it. So if you want to preach to a Jew, this is one of the major scriptures you need to read to them and let them know you don't have this in yours. Because they know. Those who are handing it over to them knew that if they read this, they will believe in Christ. Because all that is written here happened to that man called Jesus, who existed once here on earth and had all this happening to him. He's called Messiah ben, ben Joseph. Messiah, the son of Joseph. They knew him as Messiah. The, they knew him as the son of Joseph. They don't know that he's the Messiah. Uh-huh. So he says, he has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected 
of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He's talking about the death of Christ. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And with the stripes, ye are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned out everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shares is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You know, Jesus didn't say anything. It's amazing. The only time he spoke was when his authority was being questioned. <laughs> he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions, the transgression of my people was he stricken. So nice. I want to, I want to read verse 11 to you, but I want us to get to Verse 11, as we read, okay? And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. You know, there were two thieves that he was crucified in between. So that's what he's talking about there. And you know, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Because he, has, he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. So it was the Lord who bruised him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This means so much, but not today. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So God saw the travail of the soul of Jesus and was satisfied because he knew that he had been punished for high treason. Please, are you understanding? So God was satisfied. So propitiation means to satisfy God. Satisfaction. I mentioned the satisfaction. To satisfy an offended God. To appease or to placate an offended God. And the only way God was going to be appeased was through someone suffering and paying for that particular sin. And from verse 10 to verse 11, we see it says, go to, go to verse 10 once again. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. How is it? He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he made his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his, his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant be. Shall my righteous servant justify many. These are so nice. It is so nice, eh? For he shall bear their iniquities. Ah, hallelujah. hallelujah. He's, talking about, he's talking about the gospel. He says, by his knowledge, by the knowledge of what he did, like I'm preaching to you now, yeah. by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. He shall justify many. As you preach it like this, many are saved. Your, your, your sins have been taken care of already hallelujah. on the cross because of that, that one man's death. If by one man's offense many were made sinners, so shall one man, by one man's obedience, many shall many be made righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he shall see the travel of his soul and shall be satisfied. So God has been satisfied now. How did it happen? There are three, three words for proposition in the Bible. Can I show it to you? You know, God, like I said, God is not angry anymore. Okay, look at 
Second Corinthians 5, verse 18, you see that God is not angry. God is not even angry with the world, let alone with us who are born again. God is not angry with the world. And 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, says, And all things are of God. Let's read from verse 17. You understand even some more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Why? Reconciliation means friendship. So God is crying for friendship now. Why? Because he has been at peace. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Have you seen it? He says God was in Christ, reconciling, bringing the world back to him, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And has committed us what the word of reconciliation. I'll talk about reconciliation. The next thing we'll talk about is reconciliation. Okay? But this one, he says, not imputing their trespasses. He's not, he's not judging anybody. He's not, you, you have offended me. No, that has stopped. Because Christ has appeased him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Christ appeased him in these three beautiful ways. So there are three words for propitiation in the New Testament. Three words for propitiation in the New Testament. The first one is helasmus. Three words for propitiation. The first one is helasmus. Helasmus is spelled H-I-L-A-A-S-M-O-S. H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S. Helasmus. Elasmus. And it's found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John, let's read from verse 1 so that we understand it some more. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Who is? It says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. He's a propitiation. Propitiation. The word propitiation here is helasmos. Okay? Helasmos. And it means the sacrifice of the propitiation. The sacrifice. Okay? The sacrifice of the propitiation. So helasmos means the sacrifice itself. In the Old Testament, they needed a lamb. And the blood of the lamb for propitiation for expiation to occur. In the New Testament, the sacrifice that is needed for propitiation to occur is Jesus Christ Himself and His blood. So Jesus is the Lamb or the sacrifice. That is why in John chapter 1, verse 35. Look at John 1 35. John 1 35. And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples. Next verse. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Lamb of God for what? The Lamb of God, in the other places, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The sin of the world. Hallelujah. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Next verse. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus is a Lamb for propitiation. He's a sacrifice for propitiation. He's a sacrifice to take away the anger of God. <laughs> it's a sacrifice to satisfy God's heart. You see, you can't, if you are owing me, you can't pay what you want to pay. You have to pay what I say you should pay. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Especially what you, when what you owe me is not quantified by money, cannot be quantified by money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So Jesus is the Helasmus, he's the sacrifice. First John 4, verse 10 also says a similar thing. First John 4, 10. 
Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent forth the son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice of the propitiation. He is the lamb for our sins. Hallelujah. Then the next word is helasterion. Helasterion. H-I. Helasterion is spelled H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. Helasterion. Helasterion. And helasterion means the place of the propitiation. The place of the propitiation. I.e. the mercy seat. Remember the place where the expiration was made was the mercy seat. So he's talking about the same thing. Helasterion. Helasterion is the place of the propitiation. I.e. the mercy seat. Romans chapter 3 verse 25. Romans 3 25. Helasterion, H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N, Helasterion. Romans 3, 25. Let's read from verse 24 so it makes more sense. Okay, If it's starting with whom, we don't really understand. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. You see, there's redemption here too. So now when you see redemption, you should, you should see what it means. It is being justified. What's just, what's the meaning of justified? Justified means what to be de, to, to be made right, to declare not. So he said. So with the vocabulary of salvation I've given you so far, you should be able to understand the scripture without any difficulty. It says being justified freely by His grace, being declared not guilty, being declared right freely. And it comes just after John uh, Romans chapter three verse twenty three. Look at Romans three twenty three. The verse that a lot of people have been using to say that we are all sinners and all that. This one comes in the next verse. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not a full stop. It's a semicolon, meaning that the next one explains. It says, being therefore justified freely by his grace, through the redemption, the buying back, the paying of the ransom, eh, and the taking away from the slave market, and setting for the future glorification, and beauties and inheritance. Freely, eh? that is, is, is called redemption in Christ Jesus. That is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Whom God set for Christ Jesus was set forth by God to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. The word propitiation is mercy seat. He was set forth as a mercy seat. The Greek word is helasterion. Set forth as a mercy seat through faith in his blood to declare. The purpose was to declare his righteousness. For the remission of sins. We'll talk about remission. So that you understand that one too. For the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Remission means to take away completely. Yeah. Without leaving anything. To take away completely. Never to be remembered anymore. So Christ is the mercy seat. He says whom God set forth. God set Christ as the mercy seat. So Christ was not only the lamb for the propitiation. He was not only the sacrifice. He was also the mercy seat. He says God set him as a mercy seat. That's what he's saying here. Whom God has set forth. Set forth to be a propitiation. Through faith in his blood. Have you seen it? So if you have faith in his blood, he is your mercy seat. And the purpose was to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Please, do you understand? Uh So Christ is a mercy seat. The last thing is Hilaskomai. 
एच आय एल ई एस के ओ एम आय एम ए आय हे लास्कोमाय एच आय एल ई एस एच आय एल ई एस के ओ एम ए आय हे लास्कोमाय एन हे लास हे लास्कोमाय मीन्स द ॲक्शन ऑफ प्रोपिसिएशन इज द ॲक्शन ऑफ प्रोपिसिएशन ओके द ॲक्शन ऑफ प्रोपिसिएशन द ॲक्शन ऑफ प्रोपिसिएशन आय द वॉक ऑफ द हाय प्रिस्ट द मेसेज सीट to sprinkle the blood the work of the high priest the act of the high priest walking okay and going to the mercy seat and pouring the sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat once and sprinkling seven times before before him that act is also called propitiation and the word for that one is helaskumai is found in hebrew chapter 2 verse 17 hebrew chapter 2 verse 17 hebrew 2:17 Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people the word reconciliation is actually propitiation if we read another version you see it as propitiation let's read the amplified i'm sure you see it okay asv this wherefore it behoved him in all things to be made like unto his brethren that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people isn't it to make to make what does it mean to make to do the act the action of propitiation to move and walk into the holy of holies and sprinkle the blood his own blood so he is a sacrifice he is the place for the the propitiation and he is the high priest that does the work Christ has done everything all. Jesus Christ is really all and in all. He is really all and in all. He's done everything. He's done everything. He didn't even leave one stone unturned. He did everything. When he said it is finished, he meant it. It was really finished. It was really finished. That is why whenever you, when, whenever you are in church and they tell you lift up holy hands and just give him glory, you shouldn't have any difficulty. Don't let your circumstances and the things that happen around you mean anything for you. Look at Romans chapter 8. Let me show you a scripture. Sometimes we allow circumstances to to dictate the pace of our lives. But it is it is so wrong. Romans 8:32. No, let's read from verse 31. Romans 8:31. It's so nice. It's so nice. Don't let anything and don't let any circumstance take your mind. Take your heart. so that you can't even thank god you can't even love the lord because the lady said no to you your heart is so broken you look at you look at heaven and say god is all your fault after all he has done on the cross for you that is why the cross should never leave our, our churches because the cross means a lot all these things were done in the cross it should never leave our, our churches that's why the blood should never leave our churches that is why the flesh should never leave our churches That's why we must always partake of the communion always because the blood he says do this in remembrance of me as you do this you remember the propitiation that he he was you remember the redemption the righteousness that he has made i mean all those things you remember everything you remember his divine plan from ages past to bring you close to him man we should never forget it we should not get into talking about unnecessary things that to take our minds off these very important things what shall we then say to these things If God be for us who can be against us 
Who can be against us? If God be for us, your examination cannot be against you. Business problems cannot be against you. Mental problems cannot be against you. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Sickness cannot be against us. Cancer cannot be against us. No, cancer cannot dwell in your, in your body. Cancer can never dwell in my body. No virus that is hard out of hell can dwell in my body. No. Any virus, any bacteria in my body is there to help me grow. <laughs> what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who, next verse, he that spared not his own son, he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely, freely give us all things? So all the things that you are struggling with that are making you not stand God are not good enough because he says, how shall he not with him also? So the moment you remember how he delivered his son up freely for us, it calms you down. Even if propitiation, he was able to do it. How much for my school fees? Even if righteousness, God's judicial righteousness was accomplished and was satisfied through the sacrifice of Christ. How much more my husband who is worrying me? How much more my wife who is worrying me? How much more when I'm not having a child or having whatever? Nothing can be against me. He shall with him also freely give us all things. Remember, the key thing is with him. With him. Meaning that you must have him in perspective. That's what the Bible says, looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto him. That's the way. That's the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. All right. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. So Jesus did all these things, okay? Jesus did it all. He did all these things. This is, that is proposition. All that I've said is proposition. He did everything. He did everything. If you've noticed, we've not mentioned any other person since we started talking about the vocabulary of salvation. It's called the work of God in Christ Jesus. For God was in his son. For God was in Christ. God was in Christ. Reconciling is the action of God in Christ. Finish. No man is involved. No devil is involved. Nothing, no demon is involved. No angel is involved. So not even angels cannot deny you. They cannot deny you. Go, go back to Romans chapter 8. What we're reading. Romans chapter 8. Let's reform. We're reading 31, isn't it? We're 31, 32. Go back there. Who shall lay... This is 33. 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. It is God that declares righteous. Who shall lay anything that... So sometimes the devil will be laying charges to you. And now you did this. And now you did this. You committed an abortion some years ago. You, don't, you, you are not supposed to have a child. What are you talking about? And uh, you stole, you were an arm robber some time ago, so you cannot have this. What are you talking about? Always stand and ask the devil, what are you talking about? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And God's elect now, what are you talking about? I don't even know who you are talking about. We don't know who you are talking about. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming... We don't know who you are talking about. Why are you talking about my past? Even if I did it when I was a child of God, it is in. It says he drops it in the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. No, he doesn't remember. Your sins or iniquities will I remember no more. So don't let the devil beat you. Sometimes the devil can be struggling. There are issues in your mind. You're struggling. Hey, you did this. You did that. Hey, you did this every time. You can't go forward. No. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Always remember, I'm God's elect. 
Yeah, remember election I spoke about it. You are you were chosen for a specific task task before time began. It is God that declares right. It is God that justifies. Next verse. Who is it? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? He maketh, you see, he didn't just die and rise again from the dead. He also ascended and sat down on the heavenly, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, on the right hand of God. The right hand of God is not on the right hand side. He says the right hand of God. Eh? He says, who is even at the right hand of God? The right hand of God is the place of authority. Those of you who watch Game of Thrones, you know the hand of the king, isn't it? Uh-huh. The right hand is the, he's the authority of the king. He carries out the king's instructions. And the one who carries out the king's instructions is for you. The king has put himself in a place where he cannot call you j- condemned. And his right hand, who carries out his instructions, is also standing and interceding for you. Can you imagine? He says, who also maketh intercession for us? Always making intercession for us. So who can condemn you? Then he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? It is the love of God that provided Christ for us. So Christ is the expression of God's love. Says, who shall separate us from the love, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Don't let any of these things take you away. They come. You see, Christianity is not a promise of never having any trouble. Sometimes you become born again, and it's the beginning of troubles. But it makes no difference. Whether trouble or whatever, nothing. Says, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. This Paul says, for your sakes, for the gospel's sake, we are counted. For thy sake we are killed all the day. We are counted as sheep for the, for the slaughter. He was suffering because of the body of Christ. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more, in all these things, in all, he didn't say, when these things are passed, in all these things, in the midst of all these things, in the midst of distress, we more than conquer. In the midst of nakedness, we more than conquer. In the midst of peril, we more than conquer. In the midst, in the midst, the Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory of overcoming the world, even our faith. What is our faith? Our faith, you see, Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. So our faith is a person. It's a person. That is why no matter what you're going through, the more the heat, the more you get closer to the Lord. The more the distress, the more you, the more the closer you get to the Lord. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more your victory. It says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Next verse. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm loved. I'm the beloved of God. I will never go down. I'll keep going higher and higher. Higher and higher. Higher and higher. Because Jesus died for me. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming to church. God bless you. I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.